0: Hey friends, I'm Linda. Thanks for listening to Calling Water. For those of you tuning in for the first time, each episode of this podcast is dedicated to looking at a passage of scripture, going deeper into what it means, and identifying some things it calls us to do. In today's episode, Whom You Serve Continually, we're looking at the story of Daniel in the Lion's Den in Daniel chapter 6 and how it shows us that righteousness is a call to action rather than a state of being. Let's get started. The story of Daniel in the lion's den is one almost everyone knows probably, but here's a quick summary of Daniel chapter 6. Daniel is one of the Israelite exiles brought over to Babylon from Jerusalem, and by God's grace and fierce determination, Daniel rises through the ranks of the kingdom, and even after Babylon falls to the Medo-Persians, Daniel remains a high-ranking official, and a distinguished one at that because he's also a favorite of the new king, King Darius. Predictably, the other members of government are not at all pleased with this fact, so they look for ways to bring him down. The only fault they could find is that he loves God a lot. So they pressure the king into making up a new rule that says nobody is allowed to pray to any God except the king for about a month. You see how they stroked the king's ego there a little bit? At penalty of death by starving lions. Now, Darius to some degree knew that this law would affect Daniel, but it would have been political suicide for him not to comply. And Daniel also predictably ignores the new law and prays to God anyway, three times a day as he usually did. So Daniel is brought before the king, and despite Darius's attempts to spare Daniel somehow, the law is unfortunately binding and Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. The king, the text tells us, couldn't sleep or eat he was so worried. But Daniel seems to have had a restful evening. He says in Daniel chapter 6 verse 22, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. Thus Daniel is brought out of the den. The conspirators are thrown in and in a harshly bitter taste of their own medicine are instantly devoured. Now, this story draws in strict parallel to the account of Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the Blazing Furnace, if you remember. Both of these events involved a plot to destroy righteous people, convincing a political leader to make it happen, God delivering the people who had been wronged, a little bit of retributive justice as the actual wrongdoers are punished, and God is acknowledged even by these foreign rulers. Uh, this kind of thing is not unique to the book of Daniel. However, we see this exact same thing happen to Mordecai in the book of Esther, when he gained the King's favor and we'll see this story next month. Uh, we see Saul's abject hatred of David and his popularity with the people. And we even see this tension between the religious leaders and Jesus. There always seems to be a concerted effort by some to silence the voices of good people. And by good, I don't mean just someone who claims to be a God follower. I mean someone who has integrity, someone who is considered unflinchingly virtuous, someone who is righteous. And yeah, I know it's such a Christianese kind of word, and it's also kind of an impossible standard. I mean, is righteousness even something we work toward anymore? On one end of the spectrum, there are those who know we will never really attain it, so why try, right? I do think that culturally we're doing a pretty decent job of reframing flaws, failure, and brokenness in this beautiful way and moving away from shame based narratives, but I think it also sometimes gives us the license to stop trying to be better altogether. And on the other end of the spectrum, there are those who think they legitimately fall in the righteousness camp, and they're usually the ones trying to get everyone to think, act, speak, and live as they do. Spoiler alert, these kinds of people are most definitely not the kind of righteous we're talking about. Self-righteous, maybe. Most of us would say that Daniel was a righteous man. I mean, clearly he was rescued from certain death as a result of his unwavering righteousness, right? Well, no, and let's clear that up right now. I don't want us to go around thinking that God will give us all the blessings when we do good things and then we'll rain down all the suffering when we do bad things. This is an incredibly parochial understanding of God and is basically a glorified version of simple cause and effect, right? Because if this were the case, God should have allowed Jonah for one to drown when he rebelled instead of rescuing him from the sea. No, Daniel was rescued simply because God chose to rescue Daniel, but what I want to applaud Daniel and also his three friends for is their faithfulness while fully aware of the stakes. They had conviction and they refused to be swayed by political and societal influence and pressure. And what we can learn through their experience is that being righteous is not the end goal they weren't being righteous so they could be recognized, right? The purpose of spending time with scripture and in relationship with God is not so that we could one day obtain the title of righteous. Rather righteousness is a call to action. It's not to be righteous. It's to do righteous things. And the more we are attuned to the nature of God, the better we can understand what those things are. Because alone, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 puts it best, our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So let's talk about what righteousness looks like today. First of all, righteousness means acknowledging that we aren't and will never be righteous. It's kind of like that joke you might have heard before. There was a man who received the humblest man alive award and then They took it back because he went to accept it. Righteousness works like that a little bit. Righteousness isn't something you can achieve or earn. It's also something that you can never be enough of, right? There will never be a point in our lives where we're like, okay, I think I'm righteous enough. Actually, there should never be a time when we think to ourselves, I'm righteous, anything. True righteousness is something that has to be attributed to you, namely by God. And that is not a title we may ever attain in our lifetime, and that's okay. Like I said, we need to be more focused on what righteousness looks like in action. Take Daniel, for example. As he's taken to the den of lions, he doesn't argue, oh, but I'm innocent. Because, let's face it, he wasn't. He broke the law, no matter how dumb the law was. But he waits for God to acquit him and declare him innocent. That's why he says to the king in verse 22, they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. And by his, he means God. To be found innocent in God's sight, do you realize what an enormous accomplishment that is? To be found innocent itself is a big deal in and of itself. I mean, innocent until proven guilty is a basic civil right afforded to people in this country and in many countries around the world. And this presumption of innocence means that the accused has nothing to prove. The burden of proof lies on the prosecution, the people doing the accusing. It's their job to uncover facts that would make that person guilty. And I can say this with absolute authority because I've watched a lot of forensic and law type shows. But with God, it's kind of the opposite. We are all guilty because the standard we're living up to is not in comparison to other people. Our bar is God and against that we all fail miserably. So when we think about going about how to live out righteous lives, we should never think, well, compared to that person, I'm doing great what we want is to be found innocent in the eyes of God because we are accountable to the things we say and do. And secondly, righteousness is a process. Daniel was in his 80s by the time he was thrown into the lions' den. So his love for God was something he cultivated for a long time. So by the time the events of Daniel chapter 6 rolls around, Daniel was known for his devotion to God. His enemies knew it, like when they did their little background check on him, it says in verses four and five, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Wow. What a dream. Am I right? Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Even the king knew Daniel's commitment to his God. When he was forced to throw Daniel into the lion's den, he says to Daniel in verse 16, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And again, the following morning, Darius yells into the den in verse 20, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? I mean, the only thing they could find wrong with Daniel was that he loved God. But that doesn't mean he was perfect. And that doesn't mean we need to be perfect and do nothing wrong ever. It just means that we need to pursue the things that resonate with the heart of God. So knowing that righteousness is a state of doing and not a state of being, what are some things it calls you to do? The thing I want to challenge us all with is making righteousness a habit. Our relationship with God should inform our choices and it has to become second nature for our every action and speech. And not just in our religious settings, everywhere. One of my favorite verses comes from a lesser known book in the Bible called Titus and Titus chapter two, verses seven through eight says the following. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Now, I don't know about you, but they have so many bad things to say about us. Those of us who follow Jesus, that is. And you know, it's time we stopped playing the victim and feeling persecuted and take a closer, more honest look at the trouble we have caused and also accepting the hard truths that what they're saying is true. So many times in the name of righteousness, we have imposed our views and methods onto others claiming that we alone hold the answers. We have further marginalized already weakened people who feel excluded and ostracized. We have rubbed salt into the wounds of those who are already hurting. We have used the Bible as a weapon to push political agendas rather than as a tool for showing the vast, complex, and unchanging love of God. Righteousness is not about being right, it's about making things right. And as you just heard in Titus, we can practice this by opting to show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech. And what I mean by that is, We can show integrity by remaining true to the things we believe. Because when we really believe that God loves all people, then that will affect everything from the way we treat people to the policies we make about them. Our values shouldn't shift based on what's convenient. We can show seriousness by admitting that we don't know but that we are seriously committed to learning and growing and inviting others into the conversation rather than shutting out voices of reason, because they conflict with our narrow worldview. And lastly, we can show soundness of speech by being careful with our words. And I'm not just talking about being politically correct. I keep hearing people say things like, uh, people are so sensitive nowadays and oh, uh, we used to be able to say X, Y, and Z. As for me, I'm very happy that it seems humanity is finally catching up somewhat with society, though there is still so much work to do. We should want our words to lift others up, to show empathy, and to make others feel safe, right? But as I mentioned before, All of this is a process. So like Daniel worked diligently on his relationship with God, whom he served continually, let's make righteousness a regular habit. And maybe, just maybe, as a result of our integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech, it can get others curious about the God we claim to serve. Let's pray. God, thank you for seeing past all the ways in which we fall short and embracing us anyway, covering us with your own righteousness. Because of the grace you continue to show us, we sometimes get too comfortable thinking that we're doing fine when there is so much more we can do. Help us not to pursue righteousness for the sake of being recognized by others, but rather to seek righteousness to prevail in the world around us through the ways we live it out. Help us to develop the kind of integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that not only lets people know how much we love you, but how much we can manifest your love when we do what is right and serve you continually.